The Medallion, Chapter 46 Corvin dropped wearily beside Morgan on the bench at the center of the cemetery. Morgan was rubbing his chest and breathing hard. We beat them here. Corvin pressed a hand against his own aching side. It wasn't surprising they beat the slow-moving funeral procession since they ran the entire way. He glanced at Morgan. It was surreal to be sitting in Kadir's City of the Dead with the same man he had carried to this very bench not that long ago. We will hide out at the royal crypt so we can watch and see which one they place her in, Morgan said. Hopefully the high priest made all his grand speeches back at the temple, and this won't take long. I can't believe he's willing to use Kate to pretend Tirith is dead just so he can take over the palace. But Tirith is still alive? She is. I was at the battle. The captain of the guard almost succeeded in rescuing her, but was pierced through by the rebel leader's sword. Tirith was taken along with the rebels as they retreated to their own city. I followed as far as I dared, but now the palace guard is sealed off the tunnel that leads to Roseanne. Aren't you going to rescue her? Yes, but first we must free Kate. We must get her out of the crypt as soon as possible. How can you be sure? Morgan dug his elbow into Corvin and flicked his thumb to one side. A slender man with a long box was approaching from around the half-dead tree. Do not use my name, Morgan hissed, and he swiveled around to face away from the newcomer who joined them on the bench, dropping his tools to the ground with a crash. There'd better be double pay for that job. Bad enough getting out of bed before the light to come out here with soldiers still scouring the crypts for rebels. He wagged his finger in the air. If I ever catch up with that fat oaf, he'll pay for abandoning the crypts, rebels or no rebels. He looked at Corvin. Say, you're not crypt workers. What are you doing out here? Corvin cleared his throat, but Morgan responded without turning around. We couldn't get a good look at her at the plaza, so we came out here to wait for the procession to pass by. He patted the bench. Gonna stand right here. The man nodded. Ah, oh, yes, one final look at the princess. Shame about that. The sooner we catch that lunatic and put him to the sword, the better off Kadir will be. Too bad about the captain, though. He was a good man. The processional singer's voices rose from the streets of Kadir, and the man got to his feet. Hope no one looks too close. It's not my best work. He pointed past the tree. It was fortunate when I cut in Morgan's name that I didn't go too deep. Never did get paid for that job. That idiot got himself killed and didn't even get buried in his own fancy tomb. He picked up his toolbox with a groan. Enjoy the funeral. I have a feeling there'll be plenty more. He walked quickly off into one of the narrow channels between the tombs. Morgan stood and nodded for Corvin to follow. The funeral procession had just cleared the streets of Kadir and was approaching the gate into the crypts. Morgan led him into the small courtyard in front of the royal crypts and walked straight toward the largest tomb at the upper end. Corvin looked overhead to where Morgan's name had been replaced with Tiris. Morgan used a key to open the front door of the crypt and they ducked inside. This is very fortunate, Morgan said. I couldn't have planned it better myself. A ball of light appeared in his hand as he moved to one side and slid open a narrow door to reveal a tight passage. I had this tomb built as a way to move people in and out of Kadir without being seen. I hid Jorid's wife and daughter here along with the others we managed to save from the chief watcher. Jorid said you killed them. That's what he thought but it was Jord's choices that put them in harm's way. I knew they wouldn't have been safe if he found them again. Where did you take them? Morgan glanced at him. The fewer who know where we hide people away, the better. Corvin followed Morgan down a short set of stairs and into a cave with a low ceiling. Morgan obviously didn't trust him. 
Did he know about eating the Lumians, or was it because Corvin had worked with Jorid in the past? Borgon turned toward him. Can you wait here for me while I check on someone? I will return as soon as I can. Kate will not be in danger in the tomb above us. It is large and has a constant supply of air. He pointed at a row of small holes bored into the ceiling, then looked Corvin in the eye. And it would be best if you took off your medallion and did not go to the council chamber. We need everyone to go there together if we are to defeat the one who holds her captive. The old man may appear weak, but he is far more dangerous than he looks. He waited until Corvin nodded, then turned to place a hand on the wall of the cave. A portion of it slid upward. Morgan ducked down, crawled through the opening, and the rock slid down into place. Corvin sat and rested his head against the wall. When he saw Kate on the funeral bier, she looked more ill than when he and Jorah had taken her to Sari at the Molokar settlement. According to Sarek, Sari was still at Molokar, and if the old woman had the other seed from the mother plant, it might be able to bring Kate's body back to life and pull her from the chamber. The faint sound of music filtered through the holes overhead. Corvin heard the scrape of feet and voices drifted down through the air holes. He tipped his ear toward the sound. The high priest was talking, but Corvin couldn't make out what he was saying. He tiptoed back up the stairs. The voices were clearer by the secret door, where a thin shaft of light escaped from inside. Putting his eye to the slender crack, he saw Kate lying on a raised platform, the white shroud flowing to the ground around it. The high priest stood at her feet. A soldier entered the room. He is here, sir. That is good. Dismiss all the people and have the honor guard wait for me by the tree. The soldier saluted, mounted his fire stick in a holder on the wall, and left. The high priest ran his hands around Kate's neck. He grunted and stepped back as a hooded figure slipped in through the crypt door. Without turning around, the high priest said, I was wondering if Mero would find you. Where have you been? At one of the priests' hiding place among the crypts. How did the funeral go? Jorad asked, pulling his hood back. The high priest tugged the shroud from Kate's face and stared down at her. Well enough. Tiris double worked out fine and we have bought Tiris some more time. As far as the people of Kadir are concerned, their beloved princess and the captain of the guard both perished in the battle. The grand schemes of the Roseanne leader have been overturned. But he is still holding Tirith. He has contacted me and offered to exchange Tirith's life for the medallion. He sighed heavily and his shoulders drooped. Tirith will die unless I can find him one in time. The high priest's head lifted, but he did not turn to Jord. I might know where one of the medallions is hidden. The high priest struggled to suppress a smile. And you would be willing to let it go to save Tirith's life? Tirith means more to me than all the medallions put together, Jorid stated. The sincerity of Jorid's words caught Corvin off guard. For all his faults, Jorid truly did love Tirith. To me as well, the high priest said. With the captain of the guard dead, there's only one person I wish to see as her counterpart, and that is you. You and Tirith will rule Kadir together if you can obtain the master medallion. The Roseanne leader has set a time and a place for the exchange, and if I do not come alone with the medallion, I know he is crazy enough to murder my daughter. He turned to Jorid and spread his hands helplessly. I could not bear it if she died when we had a chance to save her. Jorid pointed to Kate. What about this body and the funeral? If we can rescue Tirith, then we will tell a story about Tirith being poisoned but not dead. That is why I let that soldier see that you came here to pay your respects. 
Later, we will say you searched out that healer from the settlements and found a way to bring Tirith back from being so ill we were all fooled into thinking she was dead. Kadir will have a true tale of love and devotion, and Tirith will work with us once we have set her free. But this girl must disappear. He stroked his beard and gazed at Kate. Kareg tells me there are reports that Morgan is still alive. Does he or his friends have a key to this tomb? George snorted. Morgan didn't have any friends left, and he is dead. I made certain of that myself. The high priest turned from Kate. You did well, Jord. Morgan was a traitor, and I was glad to be rid of him. He would turn on anyone for his own gain. As for this girl, we must make sure her body is never found. I believe you are the only one in possession of the key to the portal door that leads to the labyrinth. Jord nodded. Since there is only one key for that door, the high priest continued, we can put her body inside and the Buraks will dispose of her for us. Jord stepped closer to Kate's body. His face betrayed the same sorrow Corvin had seen on his mother's face as she mourned the loss of his father. The high priest moved toward the door of the crypt and turned around. Find a couple of men to help you remove this body. Lock them outside the portal door with the Buraks. No one can ever hear of this. Jord hesitated and the high priest turned around and strode back to him. You must do as I say. I know what must be done to save Tirith, and you are the only one who can make it happen. Here, take the key to this crypt. I must return to the palace, but I will come to your temple quarters at first light. Make sure you have the master medallion with you. Tirith's father waited until Jord took the key, then left the tomb. Jord stood over Kate's body, staring down at her face. His jaw was tense and his eyes glistened in the light of the torch. Jord pulled the funeral shroud back over Kate's face. I'm sorry you got caught in all this, he mumbled. I should have... He stopped, wiped his face with the back of his sleeve before leaving and locking the door. Corvin slipped the secret door open and entered the crypt. The glow from the torch flickered across Kate's face, penetrating the shroud and lighting her features in soft shadows. Corvin swallowed hard, if he had given the medallion back to Kate instead of planning to return to the core on his own to see Tirith, things could have turned out much better for everyone. Pulling the shroud away, he touched the scar in her cheek. They had been through a lot together over the years, and she was the only girl who truly cared about him or believed in him. Pushing aside the strands of hair that had been drawn over her eyes by the shroud, he leaned in close. I'm so sorry, Kate. I hope you can forgive me. Corvin cupped her cheek in his hand. Her skin was cool to the touch, but her face tensed under his fingers, and her eyes moved beneath her eyelids. Kate, can you hear me? The corners of her mouth twitched, her lips pinched together, and she moaned as if she was trapped in a nightmare and trying to call out. It's okay, Kate. I'm here now. Kate's eyelids fluttered, her face tensed, and her mouth moved slightly. Gently holding her face, Corvin pressed his lips to hers. There was a moment of connection, and then his mind was overwhelmed with her terrified cries for help.